Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Well, good morning, family. You guys doing good? Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited and ready to jump right in. Let's pray before we start. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your unwavering loyalty to us, God. We don't deserve it. But in the midst of that, Jesus, you call us to more, to thrive, to live, and to breathe hope. And so, God, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord, so many different things going on. And I just speak against the lies of the enemy right now, Father, that in this moment, as the scriptures are open, that your kingdom would come here on earth right now. So we speak against the lie, we speak against the darkness, and we usher in a new day and a new life and a new perspective. And it's in you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I love like Marvel movies, I've talked about this before, uh, Marvel or DC, whatever your, you know, your lane is, I just enjoy hero stories. And the reason why I enjoy that is because, you know, as a little boy, when I watch it or I get out of the movies, you walk out and you're like, man, I feel like I could be Batman. Or others, you know, if you're, oh, I feel like I could be Wonder Woman, you know, there's, there's something in us that pulls us to this hero perspective. And I would actually... I would say that that comes from a place that God has ingrained in our soul, that there is a hero inside of every one of us. There's something that says we can do more, we can take care of, we can provide for, we can, we can grow and, and bring safety to others, we can serve others. There's something within all of us that brings that out, and you know, um, the hero depicts, you know, when the monster comes the hero takes care of it, right? Or uh, when the storm comes, or when the villain comes. Superman shows up, right? It's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. But he shows up. uh, Spider-Man saves the girl, right? Or Batman rescues a city. All of those things, there's like something in us, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the good in the world that we wanna push towards. And the question really is, like, who, who is your hero? Do you have a hero? And often we have many heroes. I would say for me, I, I have two heroes. And I talk about them a lot, and that's just because I'm so grateful for the family that I was raised in and, and that I get to stand on their shoulders. And um, my mom and my dad are my heroes. When I think of my father, you know, um, I, he's a truck driver, right? He drives those big diesel trucks, that's terrifying just to think of. Could you imagine like trying to do a U-turn in one of those things? I'm like, man. Lenya went to go see my, my dad in his truck and she's like, I, I don't like the truck because it's like too big. It's, it's granular. It's, it's massive, right? To like a little girl, it's like scary. But as a young boy, I remember seeing my dad drive the trucks and drive the trucks. And so there was something with like driving and safety with me. And so we used to go to Yosemite all the time. Again, I have three older brothers. And um, have you ever been in moments of where 
you're like driving long distances and you feel sort of uncomfortable about falling asleep, right? And again, it's nothing against, you know, the person driving, but you're just not quite sure of their, you know, perspective or their strategy or something where to happen, how to... And my dad just was always training me on things. He's like, Sam, if something's coming in the middle of the road and it's, it's a dog, a lot of people try to swerve out of the way of the dog. Just hit it. And here's why. No, think about this. Think about this. This, this happened to me one day. I was driving. I was late for school, and I had my, Volks, my Volkswagen. I was driving really fast, uh, 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 and a dog comes in the way. And I swerved. And it's a Volkswagen, and it almost flipped. And I remember... As soon as that happened, my dad's voice came in. I'm like, oh, okay, that's wisdom. Why? Because there's something about not making that choice, right? Of course you don't want to hit the dog. But my point with all of that is when I'm driving with my father when I was a little boy, we were driving Yosemite. And, and, you know, he has his, his truck and then the big trailer behind. And if you could remember if you're a little child, like, driving around the, the corners, it's terrifying. And I would like look out. But I always had this sense of security because dad was driving. He was driving. I was safe. I could fall asleep and know that I wasn't going to wake up in heaven. <laughs> and there's, 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 a, there's a piece of, of that, you know, and, and I think of my mom and, and, and her, her steadiness. And that she just would always show up. It doesn't matter what happens. You know, you call mom or you call dad and you just know they will show up for you. And that's sort of what I was raised in. And I know that there are others that didn't have that honor or that perspective in life. And that's why I am so grateful. Because I know I could have been placed in any family where mom didn't care. She wasn't nurturing. Where dad was just whatever, you know, doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He didn't provide for the home. No, I, I grew up in a family. That's why they're my heroes. You see, scripture talks about this idea, and this is what I want to talk to you today about. When we're looking at the characteristics of God, I want to talk to you today about faithfulness. Faithfulness. And if I could add to it, it would be being reliable and being stable. Are you a reliable and stable human being? <laughs> and when we take a step back at the character of God, there's a couple of things that we've learned. Before we jump in, I want to read this passive scripture. So if you would turn with me, because this is the last talk of this collection. We're in Exodus 34, starting at verse 4. Yeah, Charlie brought his Bible today. Let's go, bro. <laughs> Exodus 34, starting at verse 4, says this. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning. And as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this character of God. If you were to describe who God is, it could be kind of daunting, right? 
Imagine, you know, you're evangelizing and someone comes up to you and they're like testing you like, describe God to me. Who is God? How would you, how would you describe him? And my, my, my hope within this collection of talk is that you would have an, an understanding, a depiction, an image of his cadence, of his being, of his way, that God is a compassionate God. And the image we get is a mother with her child, tending to her child. That God is a gracious God. And if we could go deeper with that, that graciousness, that he's a God that bestows favor to those that really don't even deserve it. It's undeserved at times. But he, he shows his grace to you through his compassion. That God is slow to anger. I don't know about you, but many of us need to work on our anger. And the image that he gives us is that when you're short of nose and you get angry, you get hot, your nose gets red like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But you get so angry, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, that's like, that's probably not a good way to be angry where you get so hot, you're like your ears are burning. And if there's an injustice, that makes sense, right? But anyway, your nose gets so hot and the scripture shows us that a man or a woman that has a short nose and it gets hot, they just get angry really quick. But if you have long of nose, it takes longer for that anger to come alive. But the scripture says that, that God is slow to anger. He still gets angry at the injustice that takes place. And I love this one, that he's abounding in love. It's this loyal love that he gives us. He's loyal to you. He's loyal to me. And we don't even have the time to deserve his loyalty, but he always is there. And then the last is that he's faithful. God is a God that's faithful. So we're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's the Hebrew word amet. Can you say that with me? Amet, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before, amen. Amen, amet, right? Which is an untranslated Hebrew expression meaning that's truth. So when people say amen, amen, they're saying that's truth, that's truth. So amet can mean truth, and it can refer to correct ideas or concept. So this is like a, the, the best depiction of like what truth is. If I were to get on the stage and jump off and imagine I could fly, right, the truth of that would be the reality is I wouldn't fly and I would fall right on my face. So there's reality and truth. It's just as simple as the truth is you're sitting on a chair that's holding you up. And with truth, oftentimes we have to rely that it's going to come through. So God, the scripture is saying that God is a God of faithfulness, but in that word faithfulness, it's, it's deeper, it's more dense that he's a God of truth. He's reliable because he shows up because his reality is he is the truth, the way, the truth, and the lie. So this is because a met has to do with stability and reliability. I love this so much. Because, again, the reason why I wanted to talk about the character of God is because I think we're living in a day and age where it's one thing to say I'm a person of faith. It's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's one thing to say I'm a disciple of Jesus. And we can post and we can do and do and do. But when it comes down to it, I need to know your cadence. I need to know what's inside of you. I don't really care about the things you've externally done. I want to know who you are at the depth and at the core. And oftentimes, you will tell of a man or a woman, not when things are going good, but when things aren't going good. 
Because when things don't don't go good, you can't rely on your feelings in those moments. You have to rely on your character. But if you don't wrestle with and, and mature in and grow in your character or your cadence or your attitude, then what happens when it gets hard for you? All the the ways of God, it would just be the antithesis of. They're having a blast, coin kids, man. I want to get in there. (laughs) You become the opposite of compassionate, the opposite of gracious. You become incredibly angry all the time. You are never abounding in love. You are never faithful. Because you're drawn by your feelings. You're drawn by your emotions. So watch this. I love this. It's like when Moses, if we're looking at this word amet, one of the first times it's mentioned in the scriptures is amet is the depiction of when Moses holds up his hands for hours to defeat Israel's enemies, the Amalekites. So the scripture says this, watch this. In Exodus 17, 11 to 12, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady. That word steady is amet. So could you imagine, I need to know when all hell breaks loose or when we need to win the battle, when God says, Moses, I'm calling you to lead the army, you're going to destroy the Amalekites. But what happens, and you know what God tells Moses? Lift up your hands, <laughs> a posture of praise. And when the hands are up, when your hands are up, you'll win the battle. The, the army will win. And so Moses' hands were up, and he's like, oh, I got this. And the, could, if you could see, the battle was winning. The Israelites were winning. But Moses' hands grew weary. His arms got tired. And so the scripture says whenever he would lower his arms, the enemy would begin to win. And so his friends, you know you need friends. Do you know you, you, need, you need friends? His friends, Aaron and her, the first thing they did is they said, Moses, we won't win unless his hands are up because that's what God said. So it's not Moses wins the battle for us. It's that we have to participate together as a team in order to win. But I'm seeing my leader, and he's getting tired, and he's getting weary, and he needs a friend right now. So I'm going to, let's get a rock, and let's put it under him, which rock is also synonymous to faithfulness because it's synonymous to trustworthy because it's synonymous to reliability. A rock is reliable. So they put a rock under him. And the rock was working because he had to sit down, right? But then his arms got tired. And the scripture says his friend said, Moses, I'm going to take care of you. One arm was, one, one, Aaron was on this side, and then her was on the other. And they said, I'm going to be with you because I want you to know I'm faithful. I'm going to show up, Moses. I'm going to be there so that we, not I, can win the battle. And I've just learned in my life that the moment that we just want to think about us and we don't care about our friends and we don't care about those in our life, then we will let them destroy their life. When all they needed was a friend. They needed someone to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here with, even if I got to hold your hands up, pastor. Or, or hey, dad, even if I got to hold your hand. Hey, brother, even if I got to hold, I will be there with you because I am faithful. I'm reliable. You can rely on me. Imagine if Moses didn't have Aaron and her. They would have lost the battle. 
So there's something about this, which, by the way, if it's in the scripture, that means God cares about it. His friends put a rock under him and supported his hands so that his hands will remain met or steady. When a met is used of people, it describes reliable and stable character or, watch this, trustworthiness. You're trustworthy. You're a person of your word. You're reliable. You're stable. You're like a rock. You just show up. And I've learned in my own life that one thing, one thing that my children need of me is they need me to just show up. That's the thing. That's why I look at my parents. I'm like, man, they are my heroes because they always showed up in my life. They always showed up. My dad always showed up. And so the reason why I'm drawn to that, not because it's just we found it somewhere and it was like, oh, this is a good idea. No, it's because it's the character of God. So why wouldn't I take on the character of God in my own life and say, okay, if one of the characteristics of God is faithfulness, then I'm going to be a faithful man. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be reliable. I'm going to be trustworthy. I believe via the scriptures that God is looking for people that are trustworthy. That God is drawn to those who are reliable. God is drawn to those who are stable. I believe no matter who you are, what you do, the spaces that you occupy, that if you become a trustworthy, reliable, and stable human being, God will elevate you. In your job, in your career, with your family, with your children, if you are trustworthy, reliable, and stable, it's already embedded in the whole kingdom of heaven. God will elevate you. He's drawn to this. We get this word as Moses appoints. I love this. I got to sit on this for a second, all right? Because we're growing as a community, and we need people that are willing to, to stand up and to say, I'm going to build in battle. Because it's bigger than us, friend. Did you know that? Like when we come to church, yes, of course, Sundays, biblically, is to celebrate with the saints. But what happens on Monday through Saturday? What happens when there's someone in your life that needs their hands lifted up? Hey, man, I got you. Don't worry about it. I am a reliable and trustworthy person. And the, when I know that someone's unhealthy, they automatically think, you're not going to be in my life. You're going to walk away, aren't you? I'm like, I, I don't know that life. I am fortunate to have a mom and dad that stayed. They were constant. They were steady. And I know because I've heard the stories how hard it was for them at times. We all have that story, don't we? There's moments where you just need, you should have given up, but you didn't. And because of that, I'm forever grateful. And now I get to stand on my mom and dad's shoulders. And then Lenya and Zoe can stand on mine and Kelly's shoulders because what I want to embody to my children is I will show up. What about your community? Do they know you'll show up? Or it's just like when you feel like it. <laughs> eh, I don't really feel like it this morning. Not going to go. And I've learned as a leader, I don't have that option. And so some people say they want to be a leader but they can't handle it. Some people say they want to grow, but they don't really want to grow. Some people say they want to develop and they want to mature and they want to rise to the occasion, but when push comes to shove and you begin to say, okay, where's your reliability? Where's your trustworthiness? Where's your, where's your faithfulness? Oh, I don't really like that. That's controlling. 
So look at what the scripture says. I didn't get this from me. This came from the Bible. So take it up with God. <laughs> Moses is leading millions. They just get out of Egypt. They're in the in-between of the promised land. And that's usually when people have a hard time because there's a vision, but now they're in process. Do you know, I've said this so many times, I'll say it again. God is not concerned with you getting to your promised land. He's more concerned with what happens to you during the process to get there. Because why would he get you there overnight if you can't sustain it and you can't embody it and you can't be a good servant of it? <laughs> so, so I'm asking God all the time, God grow the church, God grow the church, God grow the church. And God's like, well, <laughs> are you growing you? Are there people in your life that need to grow and need to step up? I'm not going to grow the church. You can't handle it. Yeah, ouch. Well, God, I want to grow my family. I want to add another to the family. I want to. It's like, well, you can't even really take care of the things now. And so what happens is we try to expedite the process, the promised land, and we negate the fact that God wants to do something in you. And he will appoint leaders in your life, parents in your life, authority in your life, not to control you, but to develop you. And I've learned in my own life, I need development. How about you? I need people to call me out. I need to be Aaron and hold up Moses' arms. I need to be her and hold up Moses' arms. And there's been seasons in my life where I've had to do that. And I, I didn't have to care what others thought of me. I just needed God to know I'm with you. Develop me, God. I'll never forget, I was a youth pastor. I called Pastor Jack. He's been here before. I said, Pastor, I was 22 years old. No one's pouring into my life. You know, my senior pastor's busy, and I thought this was going to be amazing, but no one's pouring into me. You know what he said? Who are you pouring into? I said, well, I got Zach and Jonathan, you know, junior hires, you know, <laughs> Gabe. I'm like, yeah, I should probably pour into them more. And I noticed that when I begin to serve others, when I begin to love on others, of course they benefited, but I grew. And then God said, oh, I can trust you with a little. I'm going to bring someone in your life to speak into your life. But I wasn't ready for it. If that man that I wanted to speak into my life came into my life, I wouldn't have heard it. So I'd have been prideful. Nah, man, you don't know me. I'm called. My middle name's Joseph. <laughs> and so God had to humble me. Honestly, he had to humble me. I don't think I've ever shared this with, with you. And I wanted, I was like, man, I feel like I need to share this because this is important. My mom always taught me, take the lowest seat in the house because she heard that from a man named David Wilkerson who created Teen Challenge. She said, Where, whatever room he was in, he didn't like to take the front seat. He would tell them, no, 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 that's not where I belong. Don't put me there. I take the lowest seat in the house. We don't see that anymore with our day and age and pastors. You want the best seat in the house right here, right? And so that's why I get a little uncomfortable about, like, green rooms. That's why I don't like being away. And I've learned, like, oh, man, sometimes it's, like, chaotic, and I just need to focus on my message. But that's not, my, my job is to pastor. My job isn't to be a celebrity, my job is to pastor. That's what God called me to do. He called me to lead and to pastor and to shepherd. And so I remember this was the process moment in my life. Kelly and I, was, we weren't making enough money. I was a youth pastor. And there was a job description at the church. 
janitor. And there was, I had to learn, there's nothing below you. There's, I didn't even think twice about it, actually. Now that I look back, I didn't even, and so then I took on the job. And I remember the ladies asked, wait, why do you want this job? I said, because I need to take care of my family. And, like, it's best because if I'm at the church, I can schedule my time around this because this is what I'm called to. So give me the vacuum. <laughs> and I remember I put my AirPods in. I put my AirPods in, and I would imagine Joseph serving, faithful, stable. No one's looking. No one's watching. No, someone is. God's watching me. God sees. God sees the faithfulness. God sees the humility. Can you pick up the vacuum? So the scripture here, I said all that to say this. Exodus 18, 21. God tells, I'm sorry, God appoints Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, and he says this to Moses. Remember, Moses is overseeing millions. Could you imagine being a judge or an overseer and people's issues every single day? The Bible says that he would get up in the morning before sun. He would go to bed before sun night. And he had a family. And he was doing the duty of God. And he was taking care and he was helping the people with wisdom because he was their leader. Jethro says, you're going to kill yourself. What on earth are you doing? This is bad leadership. It says this. Select capable men. Let's just stop right there. All of us are capable. Did you know that? We all are capable. You're capable of anything, especially when God's with you. You are capable to do anything, especially we live here in America. Like, we live in a space that there is no excuse, man. It doesn't matter. And that's why my father's my hero. He didn't have anything. His dad was with another family, he had other children. He had to show up for himself and say, I'm going to make a new way. I'm going to make a conscious decision. I can go this way or I can go that way. What did Superman do? That's what he told me. I said, whoa, he didn't really have God then. But he had the hero, integrity. Superman was a man of integrity. He was a man that was reliable. He was a man that was stable. So say whatever you want about the Marvel stuff. There's something about the hero in every one of us that says there is more. There is more. Stop playing it small. There's more within you. We're all capable, men and women in this room. You're capable of doing a lot more than you think you could ever dream or imagine. So you should start it. You should apply. You should get the school done. You should stay up late nights because that's what it's about. It's about the process. Who said you deserved it? Now, I do know theologically the book of Ephesians says that we're sons and daughters and we have an inheritance. But the last time I checked that we, there, there's, there's a part, there's a partnership with our God. Because God is saying, like, think, can you just, this is how I process. Can I get you in my mind? I'm like, okay. If God says via Jethro to Moses, select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and over tens. He gives them a leadership model. Don't appoint, don't appoint anyone, dude. Don't do that, Moses. I've made that mistake a lot of times. Yeah, it was bad. It was wrong. It was, it, was, it was because I was trying to get ahead of God. And I've learned that sometimes people don't want discipline. And so God says, I, I have, 
okay, then I need to work my life in them. They have to find, they have to have discipline. Some people don't want discipline from God. So then they, they, they are the own demise of their own life. And then they, they go to the end of their life and they say, oh, God, 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 it was all you. And it's like, no, 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 no. It was your choice to humble yourself. It was your choice to take this serious. But the thing that I've learned in the scriptures in this story is that God is trustworthy. Because God's trustworthy, he will look for trustworthy people. Does that make sense? So to say that God is full of a met doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and trustworthy. This is why Moses calls God a rock. Think about that for a second. God uses a word to describe, I'm sorry, Moses uses a word to describe God and he says he's like a rock. He's stable. He's constant. He shows up. And let me say it differently. Because I, I want to be theologically correct here. God doesn't really show up. He's already there. You showed up. You stepped up. He was already there. He was just waiting. Oh, it's your time. When are you ready, man? Are you ready? Okay, let's go through the valley. I'm the good shepherd. You don't tell me what to do. Let me make you lie down beside green pastures. I'm the good shepherd. Oh, and don't forget, I will be with you all of your life, even in the valley. The Bible says, if you read that psalm, Psalm 23, he leads you through it. That's between you and God. I don't know why. I've asked that question too. God, why, why, why? Now I don't ask him why anymore. I say, what? What are you doing? What are you trying to produce within me? Where are you taking me, God? I'm ready. I'm willing. Send me. I'm humble. I'm meek. I'll serve. Because the further I go down, the more he raises me up. He's trustworthy. He's a rock. He's upright. He's saying that he can trust God to be consistent to his character. He's steady. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word emet. It's he'emin. It can be translated as to believe or to have faith. But most basically it means to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. So let's talk about humans trusting in God, right? The first person we meet in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. I want you to think about this, okay? Are you guys good on time? Because I really want to digest this with you. When we look at Abraham, you have to understand there was no Bible. We're talking like bronze era. The man had no Bible. The man had no scripture. It was Moses. In the book of Genesis, I'm sorry, it was Abraham in the book of Genesis. And the Bible says, when you look at Hebrews, that, that the scriptures that God says, this man, Abraham, is the father of faith. Why? He believed. He took God at his word. He said, okay, God, you're saying you're trustworthy? I'll trust in you. You say that I should go into a foreign land, take my family, leave my crop, leave my home, leave everything that I know, and I'm like 80 years old? I'll do it. But, Mo, but Abraham had no understanding of God yet. There was no stories to hear. And I often think, honestly, how many men did God go to? How many men did he say, hey, pick up everything you got and let me show you how good I am? Have faith, Abraham. I wonder how many men before Abraham he went to. I wonder how many times he comes to you. He's like, ah, I've kind of asked this person a lot. I'm loyal in my love, 
but I can't trust them with the little anymore. They're all about them. There's no gratitude. There's no grace. They're not slow to anger. They are not compassionate. They're not reliable or stable. God doesn't bypass you, but he says, you're not ready. You need to go and process. You need to let me do my work on you. And he will appoint the Moseses in your life to call you out. I don't know if we like that, though. Because you might not have had a father to call you out. You might not have had a mom to call you out. And so then we live in this, like, space where we're not okay with authority. But over and over and over again, I see God's covering in his authority, in his correction, in his direction. So who are we to think, "Ah, I don't really need that? The reason I bring that up is because when we learn that he's, we can trust God, we'll stay with him because he's trustworthy. Abraham said, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I don't really know you or your story. I'm going to trust you, God. So he considers God trustworthy to open a, a way forward. And God does show a met to Abraham and Sarah. In fact, Abraham and Sarah were really old. And they've never been able to have children. Yet in the face of these challenges, Abraham he- amends God. He puts his trust in God. Does that make sense? So there is the, the trust that God brings to us, but there's also the trust that we bring to God. And we say, I'm going to follow through with you because I trust your character. In just four generations, their descendants form an entire nation called Israel. God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship. Then, when God leads them out of slavery into Egypt, Israel amends in God. You see that? There's this reciprocal relationship of trust. I will trust in you because you are a trustworthy God. And that's exactly what the enemy doesn't want you to think, by the way. Can we just pause on that? He wants you to think you can't trust God. Oh, look at all the stuff that's happened. God did that. That's a lie. Oh, you can't really trust in God. You can't really be faithful. You can't really be reliable because, like, God's not going to, like, come through for you. He's not really a God of his promises. That sounds like the serpent in the book of Genesis. Oh, he's withholding from you. So we have to be careful, right? And so they trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land God promised to Abraham, they find out it's filled with giant cities protected by giants. And watch this. Their trust in God's amet fails. I love this one so much. Because this is my challenge to you, if I could be honest with you. There have been moments in my life when the giants come. Have you had those moments? There's a giant that comes in front of you, in front of your family, in front of your future, in front of the problems that you're facing. It's not always, it's not ever a person, it's the giant behind the person. It's the battle, it's, it's, it's the one that, that's the monster that's trying to detour you. It's the Goliath that's coming against David. And there was a season in the book of Judges, if you look at it, that they didn't really trust God. So there was no judge. There was no king. And they were just wayward and whatever the heck they wanted to do. There were people without a leader, without a God, without a king. And so God sees this little boy, David, growing in faithfulness, tending to the sheep and to the flock. And this David comes up to this Goliath and he says, hey, why are you saying all of that stuff about my God? How dare you? But David 
has a met in God. He trusts. When God says he's going to do something, he'll follow through. And there was something, like, I'm like, man, I got to get that mindset. How about you? That's a mindset, by the way. I just have to know when the giant's in front of me, God's going to come through. God, like, no, no, Sam, 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 Sam. God's going to come through. Friend, God's going to come. That's his loyal love, his faithfulness to you. He promises that he will be with you. Eventually, we meet this David, and he faces the giant, and it's David, and he yells at the giant, you come with a sword and a spear, but I come with the name of the God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it's said that David walked in a met before God. Could you imagine that being said of you? Johnny walked in a met with God all his life. Pat walked in a met with God all her life. JC walked in a met with God all his life. And so when I'm, I won't be there, I'll be in heaven, but when I'm at the funeral and there's the obituary said of me, I would want it to be said, and Sam relied on God all the days of his life. But that probably doesn't come easy if you think about it. That's actually scary. That's actually harder to trust in God instead of trusting in yourself. It's much easier to trust in me because I feel like I have it all together. So we must show a met to God as he gives a met to us. It says in 1 Kings 3, 6, Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. There's something about faithfulness, church, that God is provoked to. There's something that draws God to you when you're faithful, reliable, and when you're stable. This is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David whose kingdom will endure forever, or in Hebrew, have a met. The kingdom will have a met. God's a met then is fulfilled when the kingdom later collapses, the Babylonians take over Israel. They collapse because they just, they just stop trusting in God. No more a met to you, God. The Israelites find themselves without a home and without a king, and they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your Amet? So in Psalm 89, 49, it says this, Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness, that's Amet, you swore to David? That's why I like knowing the scripture, because I want to, like, remind God, but I'm really reminding me. <laughs> so I pray that way sometimes. No, God, you promised this. Father, you said you were faithful. You said that you would always take care of me and my family. And I'm not like reminding God. I'm saying it to remind me. They're accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Is God trustworthy in the storm? Is he faithful after all? And the first line of the New Testament is an answer to that question. Here it is. This is the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's a God of promise. He's a God that turns it around. Just when you thought he wasn't there, he was doing his work within you. He always shows up. He is faithful. He is constant. He is reliable. And in return, I don't know if you caught it yet, I want to be the type of person that is faithful, that is reliable, that is trustworthy. Because God will see that and say, that's the type of person I want to bestow my favor upon. That's the type of person that I can trust because he or she trusts in me. 
I met. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Do you see the story? I like to say that God is a master storyteller all throughout the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The people of Israel, when you get to the, you know, that part of the scripture, they fail and they rise and they fail and they rise and they fail and they rise. And it's like our story, right? And it's like, I don't really know, like we can appoint a king and we thought David was the guy, but then he did all that stuff with Bathsheba and it's just like God cared about everything except what he did to Uriah and it's like, uh, like who's the right king? And God promises Solomon and says, because of your father's faithfulness, your line will last forever because of my amet, my promise, my faithfulness, my reliability, my stability. Even when they left God, God said, I'm still here. Where are you? We forget the story. I said it a couple of weeks ago, but I want to capitalize it as we come to an end. The story of the prodigal son, he leaves, he wavers, he's like, I'm done with you, dad, I'm going to go do my thing. We think in the story, don't miss this part, the son starts to run home. He's running back home. But we forget in the scripture, it says, and the father began to run too. And Jesus, because he's a master storyteller, is talking about God the father, that God runs to you. Do you know that? Well, that doesn't sound right. No, that's our God. The king gets off his throne, becomes a little boy, a little baby, and he chases after you and I because he's true to his word. He's faithful. You need to hear that this morning. God's faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. The scripture says in Romans, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's, here it is, truth. That word can be translated amet. So because of God's truth, his reality is I'm going to take care of you. Well, how are you going to do that, God? Oh, here's Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. He's the, the one that will fulfill all the promises in your life and in mine. So Paul says Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. So here's the conclusion. It's really hard to trust people. Can we be honest? Trust is risky, man. I don't know about you. But when you get stabbed and hurt a couple times, you kind of don't want to trust anymore. It's hard to know if anyone is really full of a met. But the biblical story portrays a God who has been faithful all along and whose promises were fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so we look out at the obstacles facing us and our world and we're invited to take the same risk and enjoin Abraham, David, and the people of God. And trust in the God that says he's reliable, he's stable, he's constant. He doesn't just show up, he's there. You need to show up now. So in return... I want to be like David, and I want to be a man that says, because he's faithful, I will be faithful. That's it sounds easy, right? It's actually really hard. <laughs> you show up, and show up, and show up, and show up. Faithfulness. You're steady. And that's, that's what I actually love about being a pastor. So don't worry about me in this. I have a friend, he's like super worried about me all the time. He's not really a believer. He's like, man, I don't know how you do it. You take on, I'm like, bro, it's not me. That's why you don't get it. Like, it is me, but 
I have to rely on God. That's on God. I have to trust in God. I have to rely in God. If I relied on you, Lord, help me. If I relied on me, Lord, help me. But I rely on God. And so we must become people that overflow in faithfulness. That's my prayer for this community, by the way. That that would be a marker of a coin follower of Jesus that comes to this space. There's a lot of other churches you could be a part of. But that if you give your life to God and you walk with Jesus in this space, that you would become a faithful person. Why? Because God's faithful to you. I want to be known for faithfulness. I want to be known for stability. I want to be known for trustworthiness. I want to be, when my children come to me, they know dad's there. He's, no, 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 I'm good. Dad's going to show up. I want my community, our community to know when all else fails, Sam's going to show up. I want every person in my life, and he's like, well, that's a big endeavor. Yeah, well, God shows up for me. I don't deserve to show up for you, but he shows up for me, so I'm going to do that because I'm grateful. I'm so grateful because I know who I was, and I know who I am, but I also know who my God is and where he's taking me. So I'll take the fight. I'll come against the Goliaths because I know it's not me. It's not you. It's God. It's always on God. I don't, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If you've been walking with Jesus and you need to step in with reliability, it's time to be faithful, man. It's time to say, I'm going to be compassionate. Are you a compassionate person? Will they say that in your obituary? No, they're kind of like rough around the edges. Man, what a shame that would be. I want to be known for my rabbi. Compassionate. Here it is. I want to be known for compassion. I want to be known for graciousness. I want to be known for being slow to anger. I want to be known for be to be abounding in loyal love. And I want to be a person of faithfulness. Can you show up when it's not successful? That's, by the way, one of the definitions of faithfulness. So where are you at? Where are you at with all of this? Are you taking serious the mandate of God? There are also... I'm sorry, let me just sidetrack first. There are also a lot of commands of the scripture that you're commanded to do. It's not an invitation. It's not an option. It's a command. So that's between you and God to look up. I could do a whole series on that, but people probably wouldn't like it. But it's in the scripture. You show up. You're faithful. You're reliable. You're a man or a woman of your word. You take serious the call of God over your life. You watch yourself wisely. That's the type of people that I want to be a part of. How about you? Faithful, reliable. Would you stand with me? We just put out your hands in front of you if you're comfortable. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person in this room, every soul, God, that as they uh, walk this journey with you, Jesus, that they would take serious who you are, your character. And, Father, that we would become the type of person that you are. You are our king. 
And so, Father, I will be faithful to you. I will be faithful to my family. I will be faithful to this community. God, I make a declaration that you are faithful and trustworthy and reliable. And in return, I must be that as well. Do whatever you want in my life, God. Sharpen whatever you need to sharpen to cut out whatever is not of you. Refine me, God. Renew me, Jesus. Do a deep work in your servant. I'm here, God. I'm here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.